Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Just how widespread is sign stealing in Major League Baseball? And what about Jerry Jones' thoughts on the DAC dance and the DAC contract? Some more hints that, well, might not be coming a long-term contract just yet. Could it be the tag? We'll talk about that in just a sec. Home and home radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by zip recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are folks. Trust us. The smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker is home in Pennsylvania and major league baseball must be happy that it is NFL season. It has allowed somehow, some way the, massive and ever-growing sign-stealing scandal to largely be swept under the carpet in terms of the sports conversation across the country, but it ain't going away. It's only spreading to other organizations like the Red Sox and the Mets. Let's talk about it with the former Houston Astros pitcher, a World Series champion from 2008 with the Phillies, and most importantly for this conversation, my Little League baseball teammate, Brad Lights Out Lidge. Now, next time, Brad, we need you on video because I'm going to put up a picture of you <laughs> and me in Little League with the Bruins, our glory days. Man, it was a long time ago. Good to have you on the program. All my years in journalism and broadcasting, I have never interviewed you once. You can tell, you can tell Ross Tucker how terrible I was as a baseball player. <laughs> Oh, Dave, first of all, it's great to be on with you, buddy, and, and, uh, and to rekindle some memories. Yes, we, we actually, I don't know, I felt like we had a pretty darn good uh, Arapahoe Youth League team, uh, the AYL Bruins, and, and I think we did a pretty good job. So I remember you being pretty good. I think you're cutting yourself a little short there. But um, overall, pretty talented squad. I definitely at that point was, was not in the top half of the players on our team, I'm pretty sure. And I think you were. So I'll give you some I'll give you some props right there. And uh, by the way, Dave was a was a pretty good little quarterback back in the day as well. So uh, you know we, we kind of uh, we made our way from from sport to sport. And I and I'm proud to say that I don't remember uh, uh, us using any electronic equipment to to steal signs in baseball. Does it, <laughs> Brad? Uh, we'll get into that, Brad, in a little bit. But I I got to ask you first, or maybe I'll ask Dave. Dave, is that true that Brad wasn't in the top half of the players on the team? And what age are you in that picture right there? Because my daughters are seven and six, and they're not exactly athletically inclined yet. But if you tell me Brad Lidge sucked on your Little League team, that will give me all (laughs) kinds of hope. I will say Brad was a late bloomer. That was like 1985, so we would have been like nine years old. Grew up in the same town in Englewood, Colorado. He was a late bloomer, and, and in Little League was, yeah, it was not one of the top guys on the team. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're in high school, and he starts growing and growing and growing, and the rest of us 
well peaked. And then he goes to Notre Dame and just becomes a massive giant superstar throwing 95 miles an hour. Brad, it is a good point though. Do you ever, you know, whether it's coaching or talking to other parents, tell parents not to worry how good they are when they're eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. Dave, I'll, I'll tell you what guys, honestly, I can't say it enough to these parents. Like, and, and I, I can use my story for sure, but also just, you know, you, know, you, you see a lot of stories in general of, of kids that are late bloomers um, that end up, you know, doing a lot of different sports, uh, becoming, you know, pretty good athletes, and then they're a late bloomer in their particular um, field of expertise and wherever they decide to, to really focus on, and it ends up being a pretty darn good game plan. So when I'm coaching, and I coach Little League now, uh, you know, how the times have changed. I, I coach Little League now in in, uh, in Colorado, and, and, you know, I have so many parents. And so, so my son's 10. He's going to be 11 soon. I have so many parents that, that ask me, you know, and this is even, you know, last year, even the year before, hey, uh, you know, can you teach my son a curveball? You know, I watched his kids on Little League World Series. They've got nasty curveballs. Can you teach them? And I'm like, listen, I didn't even start pitching until I was like 17 years old. You're trying to get your kid to peak in the Little League World Series. We want him to have a little bit longer game plan. So let's not try and burn out that elbow just yet. So I do, Dave. I, I tell parents to, to kind of chill out, back off a little bit, and uh, don't try and push their kids too, too hard. I mean, they, the, the age of specialization is here anyway. Kids are doing a ton of, of you know, focusing on, on pretty much one sport for seven, eight, nine months a year right now. So um, I, I just really continue to recommend that, uh, you know, to parents to – to relax and, and have their kid be a good athlete and enjoy doing whatever they're doing. And when the next season comes around, jump into the next sport. It, it seems to be a better recipe than burning out, you know, nine months a year on one particular sport. Brad, there's, there's no question. I totally agree with everything you just said. I will say this though, in terms of Brad giving hope to parents and kids, that's probably a bad idea. I mean, because the reality is most of their kids suck. They're going to suck. They're not going to Major League Baseball. And if you say, well, Brad Lynch sucked when he was eight, and look, your kid could be just like him. I got news for you. There were four people from Berks County that got full scholarships, Berks County, Pennsylvania, outside of Philly, that got full scholarships to football in 1997. And we were the four best kids in midgets. All right? Like, that's it. We were the four best kids. So, yes, there are some late bloomers. But I think, Brad, you are actually the exception. I think the rule is a lot of times, like, I coach softball. My daughter's softball. There was one girl that is head and shoulders above the rest of the girls. When she got up to bat, she would smash home plate with the bat before she would hit the ball. I mean... Like, I don't know if she's going to be a, a star softball player, but I got news for you. That's the one I'm betting on out of the girls that were on my team for sure. I guess I just think usually um, there are some late bloomers, like I guess you were, and I was to some extent, but a lot of times you can tell the kids that have the, 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 the natural talent pretty early, don't you think, Brad? Well, I think a lot of times you can identify those kids, you know, especially in terms of athleticism and stuff. But, I mean, you know, everything changes when they start to, to grow a little bit, start to get into middle school and high school. And, um, yeah, listen, I mean, by and large, you can kind of circle, it, you know, somebody on that roster and say, man, that kid's a pretty special talent, even when they're, 
9, 10, 11 years old, you, you understand that they've got a gift of great hand-eye coordination or whatever. So I don't disagree entirely, but I am saying that that there is hope, you know, if your kid is, is having a rough go and when he's young and, you know, just sometimes sticking with stuff, certain skills can develop over time. Baseball is kind of unique in that, look, you never know when, when somebody will pick up a baseball and, and you can hide, you know, in the outfield for a lot of years as I did. And I, and I could throw a baseball pretty hard, but, you know, so many people are concentrating on how's he hitting, you know, is, can he play in the infield? Oh, he can't do either of those and then forget about it. Uh, and then maybe some kids drop out and they, you know, all the while they've got a great arm potentially, and they, they need to have that cultivated and get into pitching. So baseball, you can hide out a little bit more maybe. And, uh, and as you get older, if, if you do have a good arm, sometimes a lot of pitchers are late developers, but yeah, it's true. It's, it's not super, it's not a super common occurrence. Like I understand that, uh, it's pretty fortunate to, uh, to, to hang in there all those years and, and then uh, to jump onto the mound and, and have things work out. But I, like, I guess for me, the bottom line is this. We are in such an age of specialization. I just hate seeing kids burn out early. Like, I hate seeing throw those, those curveballs in Little League and, and knowing that they're yeah. probably going to be getting that Tommy John surgery soon. And, you know, parents these days are so proactive with that surgery. And, you know, <laughs> so I, I've even heard stories of kids that don't even have torn ligaments yet. But they go in and they're already down and, and you know they're seeing the doctor and they're like, well, let's just let's just do it anyway. The doctor's like, okay. So I just I don't want to, I hate seeing that. I hate hearing about stuff like that. So I guess uh, in my mind, I'm always going to be yeah. telling parents to just just chillax a little bit more. Yeah, I've heard of preemptive Tommy John surgery uh, for young kids here in my town. Of course, we've seen both sides of it. Brad and I played against Roy Halladay, who was a dominant force at, at first yeah. time he picked up a baseball, nine or ten years old. But we do have to uh, get to the biggest story in all of baseball as much as we continue this conversation for hours, and that is the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal. Now, you, of course, played with the Astros, but that was before Jeff Lanau's time. In fact, I think he was with the Cardinals uh, when you pitched against them, an incident which we will not get into right now, but how widespread is this sign-stealing scandal? What should Major League Baseball do about it? Yeah, well, I think, I think honestly, at the moment, I think teams, probably a lot of teams, have dabbled in and out of doing it during the course of a season uh, until maybe another team catches on or becomes too obvious and, and guys say, oh, maybe we need to back off, like somebody might catch us doing that. The Houston Astros and, you know, the, the, the damning videotape, if you watch it, is, is pretty, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's, it's so aggressively like, you know, we don't care. This is wrong. Uh, we're going to do it anyway. It's, it, it, it's surprising. It's a little bit shocking. Now, in 2017, we know the Red Sox are trying to use the, you know, the iWatch or the Apple Watch or whatever in their, uh, in their dugout. So we know that other teams were doing this as well. Uh, the Red Sox were caught fairly early. How long the Astros were able to do it, no one really knows quite exactly yet. Um, but I would have to say that probably, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even want to throw a number out there, but uh, definitely more than a handful of teams um, were trying to figure out ways to use uh, electronic devices to, uh, to be able to get an edge. And, and I think that, you know, obviously this is something in baseball where it's like, oh, well, if everyone was doing it, is it really that big of a deal? It, it is a big deal. Um, you know, there, everyone accepts the fact that uh, if a pitcher is tipping pitches, you know, so be it. If, if a guy is able to relay signs in from second base because the catcher's uh, making things too obvious when he's putting his fingers down, so be it. But when you're using, uh, you know, cameras and, and, you know, video cameras in center field and relaying signals electronically, then, 
then we've really just kind of done, done something pretty bad here. And, and, and teams are um, – here's the thing. Like, if you're a player on a team and you hear that other teams are doing that and then somebody comes to you and says, hey, we can do it too, check it out, it's going to be pretty hard for you to sit back and say, oh, you know what, no, I'm going to take the high road. I, I want to hit, uh, you know, 250 while the rest of the league hits 300 because I'm, I'm a very ethical person. You would hope that everyone would do that. But in truth, it's just not the way things work out. And if you hear that other teams are doing something, then you're going to want that edge. I mean, baseball players obviously are so competitive, as all professional athletes are. But also, every professional athlete is always looking for a little edge here or there. And if they can get it, uh, they're going to try and figure out how to do that. And if you hear that other people are doing it, then it's probably like, well, what's Major League Baseball going to do? Punish the entire league? They can't do that. So let's just go ahead and do it. Um, And I think that... Unfortunately for the Houston Astros, they are the ones at the end of the day that got caught. Uh, you know, the Red Sox did get ca- uh, caught a little bit, but it seemed to blow over pretty fast. And it was almost like, oh, we're in this new day and age, and we just have to throw out some rules about what's okay and what's not okay. That's not okay. Okay, let's turn the page. Whereas the Houston Astros one seems largely egregious right now. And I, um, I think MLB has, every day that passes that, that there's not some kind of consequence or some kind of repercussion for this, is uh, is a difficult thing because I'll tell you, I mean, honestly, we have so many callers on my radio show that, that, that want to ask about what is going to be the penalty for this. Just tell us what the penalty is so we can move on in our minds so that we can understand MLB is doing something and that this won't happen again. There needs to be some repercussions handed out as soon as possible. So I guess my question, Brad, would be Dave has read over the last couple weeks or whatever the home road splits for the Astros in 2017. And they hit the ball a lot better on the road than they did at home. So I'm wondering what the explanation for that could possibly be and why this thing evidently didn't help them as much as you would think it would. Well, that's that's a heck of a good question. And, uh, you know, I wish I could, could give you the best answer for that. I think – Baseball is just kind of crazy sometimes in that um, that things don't always play out. Even if you have the sign, sometimes, you know, your certain matchups just aren't working as well. Um, you know, sometimes you're more comfortable in certain other places. I don't know exactly, you know, how to, how to quantify that, um, how long of a stretch maybe they did or did not have the ability to, to, to get the signs from center field and relay them to their hitters by banging on trash cans. Um, but that being said, there's no doubt that they did it. And as I also said, the evidence is very convincing. So, um, you know, if you're caught once, uh, it, it's, it's too late. You know, so even if it just happened for one game um, and it didn't really affect their home road splits because, um, you know, it was a short duration, well, that's, that's fine. But it, it still happened and it still is, is very obvious that it did. Talking to Brad Lidge, won a World Series with the Phillies 2008, went 41 for 41 in saves that season with the Phillies. Your career ended in 2012. Were you aware of electronic sign stealing then? And what was your reaction when you heard the story, when you heard what Mike Fires had to say? Was this something that was widely known? So it was not something that was widely known. And, and I, was, I was pretty surprised. Yes, I was very surprised, actually, that Mike Fires said anything because – you know, baseball doesn't happen very often where you kind of call out your, your former teammates. And, uh, you know, I, I get his rationale and reasoning to a certain extent. It's just still very uncommon. You don't see guys, you know, kind of say, now that I'm not with the squad, I'm going to say the things that they 
Uh, we're doing it, you know, maybe if you go to a new team and you say, hey, make sure when there's a runner on second base, you know, I remember my, my teammates used to, used to relay signs in really well. You got to be really careful. That makes sense. Uh, but to, to kind of say it in that way was surprising. In 2012, when I, my last year, um, I honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of any electronic science stealing going on then that I was aware of. You're always hearing about certain teams, uh, you know, finding ways to relay signs. Uh, you know, when you, when you play certain teams at home and they're doing great that year, you always are wondering, are they relaying signs in somehow? Are they getting some kind of advantage somehow? But, you know, it wouldn't have been done electronically, I don't believe, at that point. I think it would just be too difficult to do with, with electronics, I guess, at that point. I don't think they would, you know, the advancements in technology over the last years were, were quite affecting baseball yet. Um, so I, I was not aware of anything when, when I left the game. Talking to Brad Lidge, former Astros, former Phillies pitcher, won a World Series in 2008 with Philadelphia. Hall of Fame names uh, came out yesterday. Derek Jeter probably gets the second unanimous uh, selection to the Hall of Fame. Curious about three guys. That's Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens. Will any of them get in? Boy, I think I think they're all going to be pretty close. And, uh, you know, Clemens and Bonds for many, many years are continuing to trend toward that Hall of Fame. Um, I, I think this year they're probably going to be right up against it. You know, last year they didn't necessarily go up a, a ton. Um, but I think at the end of the day, people are very uh, like it, it's it's the ones that that are egregious and like the, the famous sources of the world that we all feel comfortable with saying, oh, you know, PEDs were done, uh, and we're not going to vote for that guy. Well, in some cases, uh, and, and I guess it's just the case really with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. I mean, you're, you're talking about two guys that were um, that were so good for so long, and, and the speculated time of when they potentially took PEDs seems to be in the latter part of their career when their numbers really became uh, outrageous. And I think that people look at them and say, but you know what, they were Hall of Famers before then, so we feel comfortable voting for them. I think we're going to continue to see them trend toward it, but I don't think they're going to be in it this year, um, even though they're going to be very close. Maybe next year is the year. And for Kurt Schilling, I think he does have a very good chance this year because you know, you mentioned Jeter, and, and he should get 100% of the votes after Mariano Rivera did. It only makes sense. Um, and I think this is a year not a ton of other guys that you're circling. I mean, you know, it's one of those deals where even though it doesn't make a ton of sense, sometimes voters, guys that are Hall of Fame, uh, and, and, and somebody like Schilling might be affected in a negative way. Uh, if there was four or five guys on that ballot that were no doubters, but they're not. So I think that that actually helps out a guy like Schilling. I think more people are going to look at his case. You know, every year these voters, and we talk to them all the time, you know, they go back and they look at the numbers and they're kind of like, well, you know, for, for certain guys, maybe maybe it was a little bit better than we thought. Maybe I'm going to switch my mind this year or change my mind this year. You very rarely see guys go the opposite direction and get less good. So I think for a guy like Schilling, this could, this could potentially be the year. Brad, last one for me. First of all, I mentioned I'm from outside of Philadelphia, so thank you very much yes. for 2008. That was awesome. Right uh, most of my buddies would think that you're the greatest person in the history of the world because they're diehard Phillies fans, so thank you for 2008. And thank yeah. you for any embarrassing or funny story about Dave Briggs you can tell right now. Uh, anything about, <laughs> I don't care if it's about girls, about you striking them out, about how stiff his hips were in high school football, whatever you got, go for it. Mm. 
You know, I mean, it's funny. Dave was a pretty cool cat back in the day, but I got I got You know, it's funny. I, I normally, when I put on the spot like this, I can't think of anything, but for some reason, something just popped into my mind. I do remember, I don't know if it was like second or third grade, where we were back in with the neighborhood we grew up in, in Willow Creek, uh, back in South Denver, and um, we heard that there was a news station coming to, like, film our school for some reason. And, and obviously, you know, Dave, Dave's big into the news station scene back, even back then, so he kind of he had a good feel for what was going on. Uh, somehow I thought, like, maybe the teachers told him before anyone else. I don't know exactly what happened, but I do remember that we ran out the doors of recess, and Dave led this, this kind of uh, procession behind him, holding up his finger, and we marched around the entire school, and Dave was leading this chant, we're number one, we're number one. We had no idea why a new school was coming. We didn't even know that they actually were coming, but we all followed Dave around the school, and I think when we got to, like, the sixth graders, we kind of, you know, shrunk down a little bit, and we just started walking around. But when we got back to second or third grade, we started raising our hands in the air again and saying, we're number one. I have no idea why it happened, and it's just, uh, I, I, Dave, I don't know if you remember that at all, if that's even remotely, like, kind of how it happened. But in my mind, that's exactly what happened. But it's just, you know, it, 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 it's a funny story, but also it just shows what a great leader Dave Briggs is. That is that is very nice of Brad Lidge to not tell the audience that he knew every time in high school, throw me the high heat, because I took it every <laughs> time, and Lidge struck me out every time I faced him in high school. But yes... I guess I was a leader as a very young man. Great to talk to you, my friend, Brad Lidge. Hope you come back and join us and check out Brad's show, Sirius MLB Network Radio. Great to have you, my friend. Awesome. Great to talk with you, Dave, and it was, it was a lot of fun, guys. All right, buddy. Appreciate the time. Yeah, Ross, he struck me out every time. He knew the high heat would get me, but I like the number one story, uh, a leader as a young Dave Briggs. Yes, you had future politician or CNN guy written all over you. You're hired for that job, just like Gretchen Hebner. She needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. She went to ZipRecruiter because they don't depend on candidates finding you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter, said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter, get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, bad on a time on a Tuesday. But before we go, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas this morning talking about the Dak dance, the hip turn that he does pregame that Zeke Elliott imitated in the end zone there on Sunday and also the future of his quarterback and a contract getting done. Could he be looking at a tag coming up? Here's Jerry Jones this morning. Do you know about this Dak dance and are you capable of doing it yourself? 
certainly do. I've had both hips replaced, <laughs> and uh, that's kind of similar to some of the Sean and RJ? that uh, you uh, uh, are in your hip rehab and your hip flex, and so uh, I'm aware of it. Uh, I'm not so sure I got the range of motion that either one of those guys have, but I can uh, uh, I can do it, and um, I, I really uh, – uh, that Zeke, he's unbelievable. He's jumping in uh, – uh, Salvation Army red kettles after a score, or he's working with Dak on his score. He's, uh, you can see how much fun Zeke is. And uh, he's fun in the locker room before a game. Uh, he's a pleasure to have on the team. Question from observers and fans is, he's playing like an MVP. You have his contract up. Why is the deal still not done? I know these are private matters, but... Just to give us any type of update, is it a length thing? Is it a numbers thing? Why wouldn't it make sense not to have this done by now? Well, I don't have any comment on that. We've got to have enough left to pay Zeke. We've got to have enough left to pay that offensive line. We've got to have enough left to pay some of those key defensive players. And that's always been what it's been about is how to allocate the dollars. One, I would pay good money to see Jerry Jones try the Dak dance. You think, I got stiff hips. No way, brother. Ross, does it sound like a franchise tag is coming for Dak Prescott in the midst of an MVP-like campaign? Yeah, I think they probably will uh, because the franchise tag is going to be a lot less than what it would be now to give Dak a big money long-term extension. Dak seems to be willing to play ball in that regard and has confidence in himself and maybe he'll go the Kirk Cousins route. For the Cowboys, they'll say, all right, we'll franchise tag him now. We'll franchise tag him again if we have to and then give him a long-term deal if he's still playing this well because ultimately he's not going to want to go anywhere else, right? Like all the commercials, all the, the, the everything that goes along with being the Cowboys quarterback, the commercials, yeah. no state income tax, I still think if the money's the same, he'd rather be a Cowboy. So they can slow play it, and I think they think they can slow play it and still win. Sounds like it. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Briggs. That'll do it for us. We'll see you on Hump Day, home and home, tomorrow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.